Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, before we get to our guests today, I want to share with you something that a friend posted, and it came from the Moment of Calm. It's a momentofcalm.org, and here's what it said. You know you've made the right decision when there is peace in your heart. I'll, I'll look for peace in my heart all the time. I hope you do as well. I mean, there's something that uh, makes uh, life a little bit more, more enjoyable when you're not when you're not uh, all anxious about something. Look always to try to make the best decisions I can make, and I hope you're you're thinking about that as well. A friend of mine, Frank Nyland, who used to he's from Long Beach. He he doesn't live here any longer, but we stay in touch. He posted this: Either you go after the life you want, or you settle for the life you get. That's pretty good. It's pretty powerful. But you know what? On Koshu, we're talking often about how do we raise the bar for coastal Mississippi. So the way I look at it is either you go after the community you want or you settle for the community you get. We've got to be really, really proactive. We can't settle. I've said many times on the show that complacency is probably our biggest enemy. You know, we've we've had to deal with so many disasters along the way, and it's and it's I think a natural human tendency to say, you know, we've recovered from this 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 uh, disaster. So now let's take a deep breath. It's hard to keep your eye on the strategic ball when you're recovering from a major or a hurricane, or an algae bloom, or a pandemic, or whatever the situation might be, the BP oil spill. Um, here's another one, and uh, this was posted by my friend Stacy Waldrop. Don't wait for someone to bring you flowers. Plant your own garden and decorate your own soul. I love that one, too. It's uh, it, it, it really comes back to individually we control our own destiny, and that one also applies to the 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 community and the work that we do in the community. I I can I mean, here's one of the things I know for a fact that we control our own destiny here in coastal Mississippi, and believe me when I say that there are regions that we compete with that hope we get complacent, that hope we settle with where we are because they see our potential and they worry that we're going to get our act together and and go after uh, go after our potential with a with a vengeance. And lastly, I want to share something. I saw some some uh, some really interesting statistics about about uh, oil prices. And um, it, this is in October of 2014, the price of oil was $84.40, and there were 1,609 rigs, oil rigs. $84.40 was the price per barrel, 1,609 rigs. Today, the price of oil is in excess of $100. And there are only 531 oil rigs. Think about that for a minute. That's a pretty significant issue. And you may remember in my conversation with Austin Golding, who's the young in his 30s, president and CEO Golding uh, Barge Line. He's in a unique position there on the Mississippi River and Vicksburg to really kind of get a sense of what's happening with the with the oil industry. He does uh, he he what he does is he transports refined uh, petroleum products, petrochemicals, and other chemicals that are involved in the production of oil, and he's involved in basically all the USN, U.S. Uh, inland waterway systems. And so he's in a unique position to talk about the situation as it relates to oil. And one of the points he made is the pandemic 
pandemic, uh, just like every other business in America, it affected them. They affected the oil industry. So, you know, they're struggling to get employees. They've had to shut down some refinery capacity, just like every other business. They've had to focus on this. So we are in a really unique position in, in, uh, in the United States today. And I look forward to continuing my conversation with Austin Golden because he has such a unique perspective and uh, he's educating us about why these global markets are the way they are. And we only have so much control over ultimately uh, what our energy prices are going to be. So anyway, without any further ado, let me move over to an old friend, Craig Sarton. Craig is an independent pharmacy owner. He's got a great story, incidentally, and he's a he's a leader in the uh, independent pharmacy uh, community. We'll talk about that as well. We're actually going to be joined by Robert Dozier here shortly, and we'll talk about you know what his role is as well in the independent pharmacy association here in Mississippi. But before we get into all of that and the issues facing the industry today, I just want to say good morning to my friend Craig Sarton. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Ricky. How are you doing? Appreciate you having us on. It's good to see you, man. Well, first of all, before we get into the business, let me mention sort of the important thing. As you know, I host Super Talk Outdoors, and over mm -hmm. many, many years, I've watched you enjoy the outdoors. The outdoors is important to you, isn't it? It's it's very important to you. We, you know, if you followed me at all, you know it. You know, I, I go really all over the uh, United States, you know, Canada, Alaska, and I've been to multiple countries. You know, hunting, Tanzania, New Zealand, on and on and on. So that, yeah, that's a really big part of my life. But you also spend a lot of time in Mississippi, don't you? I do. I do. I do. Uh, I stay about 99% of my time here in Mississippi, and I enjoy the outdoors here in Mississippi. I have some property up on the Big Black River and uh, a little bit north of Jackson and uh, family and friends, and we go up there and, and uh, hunt and enjoy each other's company. I know you do. I've uh, spent um, a lot of time hunting at Horseshoe, which is not far yep. from you. Yep, and, uh, not far at all. And and now I, I lease three separate farms up in the Mississippi Delta in Shula, between Greenwood and Blackhawk, and then down in Minner City. And we're, we're lucky, man. I often say about Mississippi that we're the capital of the outdoors in America, and we, you know, we we deserve that claim for sure. And uh, I, I I I can honestly tell you that I I would uh, I can say that, that the outdoors saved me as I was growing up. You, you probably have your own belief about that as well, don't you? Oh yeah. Well, I mean it. You know, I grew up in the country, uh, uh, up in Sartonville, Mississippi, which is uh, got one stop sign, uh, no post office. Uh, it does have a, a general store like, you know, all those little communities. And so I grew up on a farm and, uh, uh, you know, working hard. So needless to say, when I had the opportunity to go off to college, I was kind of glad to get away from uh, you know, that, that farm life. But I mean, Mississippi is. I mean, I've I've been fortunate to live in a couple of you know, couple other places in the United States, but you could not run me out of Mississippi. We have so much going uh, for us in the state. Not only you know cost of living, quality of living, in particular the coast. You know, I mean it. Uh, you know, I go to Jackson a lot. I've got some brothers, and I, and I spend a lot of time in Oxford. But I mean, the coast is just spectacular. You know, it. Uh, yeah, we have plenty to do, but it doesn't take us. You know, 45 minutes to go across town, and we get to enjoy the beach. Uh, and so, uh, you know, coast is a special place. 
It really is. It really is. And I, you know, after after retiring uh, and then having sort of a, a good breather for four years, I still retired. But you know, the opportunity to do this show to take everything I learned as a publisher over all those years and apply it to the community to focus on helping us reach our potential. The potential of Coastal Mississippi, Craig Sarton, is incredible, isn't it? You know, it, it, it is. I mean, it, you know, that whether you uh, position you take on the casinos, you know, I think it's been wonderful, you know, for the coast, uh, you know, even if you don't gamble, you know, there's so much to do there and to enjoy, uh, you know, the, the restaurants, the entertainment, uh, you know, the coast has just got so much to offer, you know, that other parts of the state, you know, don't have. And I'm not saying that other parts of the state don't have, you uh, have but the the coast really is special it really is okay so let's let's retrace some of your steps you uh what's it was fascinating about studying your your sort of um your steps in your career when you graduated in 1979 from Ole Miss you came to the coast and uh in, in 1981 and you started working for Jones Brothers Pharmacy but just a couple of years later you opened your own business you were just a kid <laughs> well, yeah, I was, you know, I've, I've, you know, I, first of all, Ricky, I mean, I've got to say that, you know, I've been blessed beyond anything I could possibly imagine, you know, all good things come from God. And I 100% believe that, you know, he has blessed me and every single aspect of my, my life with family and business. And, and so, you know, that's, that's where I owe everything. But yeah, I mean, I came down to the coast. I worked for Jones Brothers. They filed bankruptcy. Big B bought them out. And, you know, I, I, I saw pretty quickly that I didn't like working for the big corporate, you know, uh, thing. And I, and I had a real good friend of mine who was a physician that, and you know, that offered, uh, I was just mentioning one time, I'd love to be able to open my pharmacy. And a pharmacy said, well, you need to do it. I said, well, I don't have any money. You know, I mean, I borrowed every penny to go to college, worked every summer, every holiday, and didn't have the funds to do that. And um, he said, well, I'll help you, you know, put together a plan. So I put together a plan and believe it or not, opened up my first pharmacy for $50,000. I wow. have more money invested in the the pharmaceuticals in my refrigerator now at the store than what it cost to open the first pharmacy. And so, uh, you know, it, uh, it, you know, it just was, you know, it started slow. And then over the next few years, it continued to get better and better. And then I, you know, I built a bigger building and I've bought and, and sold pharmacies over the years. But, you know, it, uh, I just feel fortunate to be here, to be involved in independent pharmacies. So what, what's what's cool about Craig Sarton's story, you know, from Sarton Drugs, is that, you know, how how does an independent guy survive when all these other major players are out there? We're gonna we're gonna retrace some of those steps here shortly, but we'll continue the conversation with Craig Sarton when we come back from break. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, we're having a conversation with Craig Sarton from Sarton's Discount Drugs. And Craig, one of the things I talk about on this show all the time is the importance of small business, the, the, the importance of entrepreneurs and what that means. And I don't even know if you even realized at the time when you were this young guy starting your first drugstore at 50000 for 50000 bucks that you were truly an entrepreneur, someone with dogged determination to build something. At the time, you're probably just thinking, I'm just trying to get a drugstore open. But did you ever in your wildest imagination think that it would evolve into this multiple format type of uh, a business that you built? No, Ricky, uh, not in a million years. <clears throat> Excuse me, what I dreamed that you know, it had grown into uh, what it is today. Excuse me one second. <laughs> That's okay. No problem at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a, when I look at your journey, uh, the number of drugstores you've co-owned along the way and the specializing that you've done along the way with the vital care, et cetera, it's incredible what, what your business has become. But you had to be an entrepreneur. You had to pay attention to where the opportunities were, and then you had to seize the moment. And clearly, for being a young guy who, who opened up your own farm, pharmacy business because you didn't want to go to work for the big guys. Um, you had that in you. Where did that come from? Where did it, was it the farm? I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, there was, you know, when I went to college and, you know, there was no room for failure. I mean, it just really wasn't, you know, I didn't have a dad or a fallback or anything. It was, you know, get your degree and be successful and you know you're gonna have to provide for yourself and your your family etc cetera, etc cetera. and so but my motto has always been in business that it is meant to be it'll happen you don't have to put a square peg into a round hole and so that's always been the case with me and you know like i said i've never in a million years would believe that it evolved into what it did but you know, I've been blessed with that ability to see something and be able to achieve that goal. Uh, now, sometimes my wife would get on to me and say, you know, how much how much more are you going to take on? You know, and it, it was not, you know, how much more money it was, you know, how much more, you know, could I do this? You know, it was another challenge. And when I saw that challenge placed in front of me, then you know, I took the opportunity to see, uh, uh, you know, where I could go with it. You know, and it, you know, the uh, the community you know has received us extremely well over these years. You know, we've been around so long; most everybody knows who we are. So I'm just truly blessed. But see, Craig, that doesn't guarantee success. So let's go back. If you go back and look at what was emerging during yep. your ascension yep. and expansion as a business, you saw the emergence of K&B and then Walgreens and Rite Aid. And then you had the, yep. and then, of course, Walmart and all these other uh, like major players and the, and the, then the mergers and acquisitions that occurred and all this incredible investment that was happening, the expansion plans they had. And we're going to get to specifically some of the issues that you face today in just a second. That's not mm -hmm. what this question is about, mm -hmm. but it's about how did you define in your mind that you weren't going to let that, that, you know, the big guys deter you? How were you going to find your yeah. competitive advantage within yeah. within the realm of what was happening in the world, that, you know, when you were expanding? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and it, when I first opened my first drugstore, there were four drugstores in a mile of me, and now there's one. And it, the, the, the things that separate a successful independent, myself included, is 
you know, how we treat people. And, and I know that may seem trivial, but that is 100% true. You know, it's, we develop those relationships. When they walk in, we know their name. We know what, you know, what drugs they take. And so it's that extra step that we take that differentiates us from, and I'm not saying the chains don't have some good employees, et cetera, et cetera, but I often would get, you know, asked, you know, what, what would you do if a Walmart you know, walk, uh, you know, came in across the street and I said, I would cheer because that Walmart is going to put 300 cars in that parking lot and a bunch of them are going to come to uh, come over to see us. And then that's where we take over. We, you know, the independent as a whole has so many services and so many things that we can do that aren't traditional pharmacies. We deliver, we have charge accounts, we have this brand of, you know, home health, you know, or, or et cetera, et cetera, that, that most people don't have. We have compounding, we have this, you know, and then I started in the, you know, infusion business. So, you know, a lot of it has to, you know, to be services, but, you know, it ultimately boils down to how you treat people. Well, what's what's interesting about it, though, you think about it. Okay, so let's let's take a, a middle-aged person who comes in and gets a prescription from you, and then they get impressed with the the, the care they get. They come back in the future. They they're they're amazed that you remember them. There's a relationship that develops between the two of you, and the good independent drugstores have figured that out. But then what happens is they get a little bit older. They get a little you know they may get sicker. Or they may have challenges in their life, and they have different needs. The, the traditional pharmacy may not necessarily serve their needs from a healthcare perspective going forward. And what you saw. This is the this is the entrepreneur in you. You saw that there were great opportunities for you. You mentioned compounding. You mentioned home care. But you you saw that this is an opportunity for you from a business perspective to be able to serve that person's medical needs beyond just filling a prescription. How did that come in your head? Where did that come from? Uh, I'm all. Uh, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Uh, I was just looking through a pharmacy journal. I guess about thirty four years ago and this is where i think that god intervenes you know it, i was looking through a pharmacy journal and there was a a uh a franchise uh opportunity for home, home infusion and that was new nobody was doing that and, and it was based out of california and so i made a few phone calls and it was quite expensive so i just kind of put it uh, on the back burner for a week or two. And in come walking, uh, a gentleman, uh, Johnny Bell, who started uh, Vital Care, which is a franchise, which is currently their, their home offices in Mississippi and Meridian, and they have franchises all over the country. He comes walking in a week or so after I looked at that in a journal, and he he gave me the, the, the spiel in about 10 minutes about home infusion. And as soon as he finished it, I said, I want to do it. He said it was the easiest sale that he'd ever had in his life. He walked in, cold called, and a guy told him he wanted to do it. Because, you know, I'd done a little bit of due diligence, but, you know, that's where it gets back to that, you know, the uh, square peg into a round hole. I didn't have to force that. You know, it it fell 100%, uh, you know, into place and, you know, just feel real fortunate that, you know, that it happened. Well, you opened your first drugstore in 1983, and that was in 1989. So you'd only you're still this young guy, yeah. But you had to pay attention. Entrepreneurs, the key to success is really understanding 
where the evolutions need to be in your business. You know, how do you continue to how do you continue to serve the needs of the community that you've defined as your pharmacy customers? And it seemed to me, man, looking back on this, that vital care was uh, was just another step in the overall evolution of what you know your understanding of how you could serve needs, and that evolved into other things as well. So it's it's incredible when you look back. I know time flies, but how do you look at it when you look back on it now? Uh, I'm I'm amazed. You know, it. Uh, I'm absolutely amazed. I mean, when I first opened my first pharmacy, uh, my goal was to do a thousand dollars in a day. In one whole day, and so we'll do a thousand dollars in one prescription now. You know, times have changed. When I first got out of pharmacy, a great salary was eighteen or nineteen thousand dollars a year uh, for pharmacists. And so, you know, but I look back, and pharmacy has changed so much. You know, and but I think, you know, what makes the difference between somebody who is you know is content is that you have to be afraid to not take a risk. And I've always had that that ability or that mindset. And again, you know, you see something and you go it, but uh, you, you, you don't try to make it work. If it's gonna work, it's gonna happen. You do your due diligence. And if you're willing to take that chance, then things fall into place. And, you know, and then you look up and, and you know, it, with any entrepreneur, any business owner, if they're not looking forward, they're going behind. And so, and that's the case, certainly in pharmacy. Well, the other part of your business that is important, and I did this too when I was in the newspaper business, is I was super active in industry organizations. One, One was, obviously, you wanted to give back to your industry and you want to be in touch with what they're doing. But the other is, by developing these relationships with people who are also in the industry, maybe in other regions of the country and whatever, you get access to some best practices. You get access to developing relationships and finding what other people are doing. And you learn a lot from doing that, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, it. I serve on some national and regional boards that we go and, you know, we'll spend a day or two and we'll talk about, you know, cutting edge, you know, the, the stuff that nobody's doing yet that's just around the corner. So it's, you know, it's so important for a pharmacist or any business person to be active in their associations, you know, because it, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you go to uh, conferences, you know, you listen for hours on end, you try to stay awake and blah, blah, blah. But where you learn the most is the breaks from talking to other business owners. And that's where you gain the most knowledge. And when you're an independent pharmacy owner, you better pay close attention to what your brethren are doing because you're in this thing together trying to yep. figure out what your competitive, yep. what your local competitive advantage is going to be. We're yep. talking to Craig Sarton. He's in the pharmacy business in coastal Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Robert Dozier, who is the executive director of the Mississippi Independent Pharmacy Association, and kind of you know continue this evolution about why you know being involved in an association is really important. We'll see you after this break. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a terrific conversation with my old friend, Craig Sarton. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things, Craig, that um, that this this show gives us an opportunity to focus on, I remember really early in my career, I, Rolling Week sent me all over the country to some of the best schools in the country 
Uh, I mean, I did. If I sh- if I shared with you the list of things that I had the opportunity to be involved in as a as a leader at the Sun Herald, you'd be amazed at Roland's commitment to my development. But one of the programs I was involved in, I heard the term dogged determination really early in my career, and I use it all the time because I think, you know, as a as a leader, you have to be doggedly determined to uh, achieve a goal, to develop people, to make a company successful, and all those things. Um, the way I would describe you. Uh, probably early in your career and probably still today is doggedly determined. Would you describe yourself that way? I, I would certainly for the first 30 years. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I have not changed that. If an opportunity were to present itself, I would doggedly attack it. And, uh, but, you know, I'm 66, you know, I'm, I'm uh, planning on doing uh, more hunting if that's possible, uh, and, and enjoy and, you know, kind of stepping into retirement a little bit. But I mean, it, you know, it's like I tell my wife, I mean, I've got to go somewhere to sit and, uh, look at my old Miss stuff on the computer and drink coffee and talk to people. So I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon, but I mean, you've got to have the determination and relentless desire to improve, you know, your business. And I think every successful entrepreneur has that. So when we went to break, we were talking about your involvement uh, over the years. You got involved in Mississippi's Pharmacy Association back in 1991. You started to take leadership roles and join committees in 1995. And then you went into be advisory boards for all, all kinds of other organizations, both locally, regionally, and nationally. But, but the Mississippi Pharmacy Association is incredibly important to you, isn't it? It is. You know, it, you know the uh, the association uh, again. You know they have conventions and different things. You can get, you can join and and talk with those folks. But you know I'm going to shift it just a little bit is, and take it to the independent pharmacy association that we have on the coast. You know it uh, that is, I mean I know everybody. I've been here so long and we we we're all good friends. We try to help each other. We, we work together, you know, and the, the pharmacy association really helps. But Robert's, you know, uh, uh, association, Mississippi Independent Pharmacy Association is critical. I mean, it is absolutely critical, the work that he does, uh, you know, to help us as independent pharmacy. Uh, you know, our independent pharmacy is under attack. You know, that's just, you know, that, that's just plain and simple. You know, it, uh, you know, with the advent of, of PBMs from, you know, I guess they started probably about 25 years ago and they basically were just a billing um, uh, organization, a pass-through. You know, they have they have changed the face of independent pharmacy. And so, you know, it, you know I'm a, a preceptor or a instructor, clinical instructor for several schools of pharmacy. And... Up until about five years ago or four years ago, you know, I told those students when they come through and do the rotation, five-week rotation with me, that independent pharmacy is still a golden opportunity. But I can't tell those students that anymore, you know, because you've got these PBMs that basically dictate every single aspect of what we get paid. And so, you know, it's critical for us you know, to uh, the independent pharmacies on the coast to stick together, which is what I did, I guess, about six years ago when I I put together a a big group of independent pharmacies that we pulled all of our purchasing power and then we put 
all of our business out to bid to the big wholesalers and you know to, to to lower our costs to be able to stay into business yeah yeah hey let's would be a good transition to bring robert dozier into the conversation he's actually executive director of the mississippi independent pharmacy association robert thank you for joining me on kosia good morning how you doing today I'm doing great. So you've heard a lot of the conversation up to this point, but you know we'll come back to how is this sort of billing issue that he was mentioning just a second ago, how it affects you guys and what what other issues are out there that you're tackling. But you heard sort of how we were having this conversation that independent pharmacy operators have found a, a really terrific way to find their competitive advantage within the guise of all these major players. Um, and that's that's sort of been what your organization is all about, isn't it? That's correct. You know, we, we serve a, a vital interest in helping promote independent pharmacy in the state of Mississippi and also on the national level as well. You take individuals like Craig Sarton. Um, he's uh, a, a legend down on the coast and everything in the independent pharmacy community. We have a lot of other great men and women in the pharmacy community across the state who are doing a great job as well, too. And it's it's not only is it promoting independent pharmacy, but it's also helping protect the independent pharmacy profession for the years to come. And, you know, Mr. Craig brought up a very important uh, point, you know, the pharmacy benefit managers. And earlier in, in this segment here, you know, Mr. Craig said, well, if a Walgreens or a Walmart came across the street, what would he do? He, you know, he'd just be ecstatic. He'd be just super happy because he's going to end up with a lot of those customers because he's going to provide a better service, a better product than that chain pharmacy. No offense to them. I just know Mr. Craig and I know the independent mindset, but the pharmacy benefit managers, they have such a tight um, death grip on independent pharmacists out there and they control every aspect of the business. The pharmacy benefit managers have gotten into a position over 25, 35 years from going basically from a billing service, a third party administrator to controlling every aspect of the prescription drug supply chain, not only on the independent pharmacy side the, uh, or the pharma retail pharmacy side, but employers need to wake up and pay attention to these pharmacy benefit managers and the end user, the consumer, the patient. They really need to start paying attention to this because Pharmacy benefit managers are the the number one reason why prescription drug costs are steadily going up every year. Hey, so look, hey, Craig, coming back over to you, I have a couple of brother-in-laws that yep. are in regional and national sales for Novartis. So over the course mm -hmm. of the last 25 years, I've literally watched this whole notion of these of these benefit managers and what their roles are. But for the average person, tell it tell the for the average person because this is a really important issue for your yeah. for your business. Yeah. Obviously, tell what a what a what they do. Okay, yeah, sure. So, like everybody, most everybody that's employed, and even uh, people that are retired, they have, have a prescription card that they take into their pharmacy and give it to them. Well, that is administered by a pharmacy benefit manager, PBM. And so each of those PBMs then in turn negotiate 
contracts with either directly to the pharmacy or through what they call a PSAO, which represents a large group of, of pharmacies of, of a reimbursement schedule. And so then they will tell us what you're going to get paid or what you're, you're going to lose. And when I say that, people say, oh, no, you don't lose. Yes, we do. We had a law that, that was passed that went into effect one one of 21 that was passed by the Mississippi legislature that said that a PBM cannot pay us below our cost. Now, let that sink in. We had to get a law passed to get paid our cost, to not make a penny, but our cost. And they are completely ignoring that law. And so we get paid literally below cost on all sorts of prescriptions. So these PBMs, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of what they do to pharmacies. Your brother-in-law, for instance, Novartis, these PBMs will go to Novartis and say, you're going to give me 40% rebate to, to process your drug, your name brand drug or whatever. And then they're going to in turn give some money back to the insurance, but then they're going to keep the difference spread pricing and so you know it, it it is it truly is costing not only us and the pharmaceutical companies but you know the 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 patients you know unbelievable amount of money and so you know there's a whole bunch of legislature not only in our state but other states that you know hopefully are going to get this reined in otherwise you're going to see more and more and more independent pharmacies go out of business What's interesting to me about this, and unfortunately it is interesting, but it's also tragic as well if if something's not done to curtail it, is that it's all, almost like you could see it coming because insurance companies were already dealing with doctors in this way, only willing to pay a certain amount for whatever the procedure was going to be and all of this. It just it seemed like as they continue to re-engineer ways they could make more money, uh, that it would eventually spill over into the independent pharmacy or just pharmacies in general that would end up creating sort of a, um, a giant sucking sound for independent pharmacies in the process. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Robert Dozier, who's the executive director of the Mississippi Independent Pharmacies, uh, Pharmacy Association, and Craig Sarton, a uh, pharmacy entrepreneur here in coastal Mississippi. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a great conversation today with Craig Sarton and Robert Dozier about you know, first of all, the opportunity for independent pharmacies to create incredible competitive advantage in the community. When you think about the big guys and, you know, Walgreens and Rite Aid and all these guys, and they've really stood the test of time. And it's really cool to hear how they did that. But as I mentioned just before we went to break, there, there's obviously this evolution that's happened in the insurance business in general. And doctors have, have been subject to all these changes for many, many years now. It was only 
natural probably that you'd see this spill over into the pharmacy arena. But, you know, Robert, in your world, I bet, gosh, this is such a very significant issue because it really speaks to the business case of an independent pharmacy owner. Um, how do you, I mean, how, first of all, how do you see it? And second, do you feel like it's sort of, you know, swimming against the tide here? Well, you know, it, it is a David and Goliath story. That is for sure. You know, Mr. Craig talked about uh, getting involved in associations and, and some of his uh, group that's down on the coast and everything else like that. Independent pharmacists are, are becoming more involved on the political side because this is the only way we can battle and fight back against this storm right here against the pharmacy benefit managers. Not only are the independent pharmacists trying to shine the light on the unfair business practices that the PBMs force on the independent pharmacies, but we're also showing the, the, uh, the problems that the pharmacy benefit managers are also causing for the employers and the ultimate uh, end user, the patient, the customer and and they're also in getting the short end of the stick as well just like mr craig and the rest of the independent pharmacy community out there because these pharmacy benefit managers they only care about one thing and that is corporate greed when you have the three largest pharmacy benefit managers they are controlling 80 percent of the prescription drug business out there there's no real competition you know, Mr. Craig, he's been in business for probably, you know, 30, 40 years. And, he, you know, here he is. We were talking about his uh, business skills and being an entrepreneur and everything. I can guarantee you that, that Craig Sarton has never negotiated a contract with a pharmacy benefit manager because pharmacy benefit managers do not negotiate contracts with independent pharmacists. It is a take it or leave it contract. And not only do they force these unfair contracts on the independent pharmacists, but a lot of times they are the competition as well, too. And just to kind of dumb it down, it's kind of like McDonald's telling Burger King how much they're going to charge for the Whopper. You know, and that is totally unfair. There's no competition. There's no oversight. There's no transparency. It's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, PBM is kind of like that guy on the Wizard of Oz. You know, he's the man behind the curtain, so to speak. And and a lot of people don't know about it. You know, and yeah. that's just, it's, it's, it, is, it is a David and Goliath story for sure. So moving back over to Craig. Craig, you know what's interesting to me is uh, you mentioned passing a bill in Mississippi just so you can get your costs covered. That's ridiculous. It's, it's sad, actually. Yeah. But on the but the, but you think about this as a national point of view. I, along the way, I had the opportunity to teach business law at Jeff Davis, and I, you know, obviously the Sherman Antitrust Act and collusion and all of that. To what extent, on the national level, is there movement around that? There is. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of movement, but and I could talk a little bit about it. But Robert's the expert. You know, he <laughs> he I'm going to let him comment on that because that is his area of expertise. And you're going to learn more from what he has to say than what I would say. So, so is there the opportunity here to, to pin collusion on them? Yeah, it it is, and 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 not. Um, it was maybe a few weeks ago. The FTC uh, started looking into the the problem with allowing all of these 
pharmacy benefit managers to merge and to take over 80% of the business. And, and it is a monopoly because these pharmacy benefit managers, I go back 20, 30 years ago, they started off basically as a third party administrator, just handling claims and everything. And then they started merging and they got into the mail order business, then the retail pharmacy business. And then they start dictating uh, terms to the brand name drug manufacturers. Now, I never thought I would feel sorry for the brand name drug manufacturers, you know, big pharma. But the PBMs, they, you know, they basically hold a gun to them and say, hey, you know, if you don't give us so much in rebate, we're not going to put your product on the drug formulary for all of these patients of ours. And so, you know, Big Pharma is, is being held hostage. Then, you know, these employer groups, they don't really know what they're paying. They're, they're, they're being forced to pay all of this money for high dollar uh, brand name drugs when the generic could work just as well. But the PBM has an incentive to push the brand name drug. And then, you know, here they come with a, a no compete, I mean, a, um, a uh, um, no negotiating contract with an individual like Mr. Craig and such. So yes, they're, they're starting to show, show some light in the uh, anti-competitive business and everything, correct? Well, it seems it's obviously from a legal perspective, it's super complicated, but at least in this conversation today, we got a chance to see what it takes to succeed in the business. We got a chance to see what an association does when you got a such, you know, such a complicated issue like uh, pharma, pharmacy benefit managers and what they're doing to independence. But, and that's really what I wanted to accomplish. I wanted people to be inspired by your story, Craig, and impressed that you guys are all working together to make sure that there's a future for independent pharmacies. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Robert Dozier and Craig Sarton. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's Thank been a you. pleasure. I've been I've been inspired by the conversation. Uh, have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.